0: Welcome to the People Analytics and Future Work Podcast with Al Adamson. Hi, this is Al Adamson, founder and executive director of the Talent Strategy Institute. And I'm here today with Jeff Higgins, who is the founder of the Human Capital Management Institute, ACMI. Jeff, you there? I am, Al. Hey, Jeff, super appreciate you joining us today. Would you give the audience a, a background uh, of your experience in the people, talent, slash workforce <laughs> analytics space? And and you've been at this a long time, and you came from a finance background. So, uh, yeah, super interested in your perspective on what this space is and, and what it isn't. So can you share a little bit about your background?
1: Yeah, yeah, thank you, Al, and uh, thank you for the opportunity to be here, uh, so started off with a tough question, which is how do i how do I coalesce all of that all of that background into a really short answer but uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, my first career was uh, fifteen years in finance and accounting, ultimately as a controller VP of finances CFO where I worked closely with H r by shooting them down virtually every time because they were so bad with numbers didn 't have numbers used an emotional plea which is great. By the way, what are numbers people need to make decisions? Numbers. What did HR usually not come much with much of numbers. <laughs> um and so I'm now paying for my sins of the past. Uh, you know crossed over to HR which is a whole other story from finance to HR uh, inside a publicly traded bank, worked for several companies actually doing analytics as a practitioner just as you did uh you know back in the day Al. Um, And that really was discovered my passion. So, you know, all my finance colleagues thought I was crazy for going for finance HR. But about 18 months into it, I really looked up and said, wow, discover my passion, trying to put numbers to people to not just measure the cost, but the plus side of the equation. We all know there's a plus side to people. Otherwise, why would you employ anyone in a company? But Finance and accounting rules don't measure it. And so that was the journey on analytics, that plus being in companies where they just demanded to know these answers. Uh, and so we got to do a lot of work, a lot of projects, discovered the passion and have been pursuing it ever since, really since uh, 2001. So 16 years now, uh, both as a practitioner and then as a consultant, really helping organizations to do it. And and my specialty, uh, our specialty at HCMI is really helping to not just put HR metrics, you know, what are the right metrics to answer these particular questions or challenges, but how to link them to financial impact. And so we've done a lot of research work around that as well that uh, we can discuss as we go forward.
0: Yeah. So one of the things that I really enjoyed about your work and a through line from my perspective has been around the impact that uh, analytics can provide and should provide. So can you speak to how you define uh, People analytics. Uh, what is it uh, to you? Because there's it's a broad discipline. Uh, many define it differently. How, how do you define it, and why is it exciting right now?
1: Uh, great question. So, uh, you know, broadly speaking, any kind of reporting that anyone's doing would would you know qualify as some form of analytics, just descriptive analytics, right? You're just reporting on what happened, even if it's just a collection of how many people you hired, how many people left, and how many people you have, which is, by the way, what most companies today are still reporting on from an HR standpoint, sort of the epitome of not very predictive. For me, analytics is all about predictive. None of us want to know who won the game yesterday because we can go on the internet and get that information instantly. Uh, What we really want to know is who's going to win the game. Uh, you, know, in the, you know, in the third inning or, you know, in before the race is half over, a, a solid prediction based on analytics of who's going to win. And so metrics that can help you predict. And then from there, once you can predict it, prescribe it. If it's good, how do we get, you know, what levers do we push to get more of it? And if it's bad, what levers do we pull to get less of it? That's to me what analytics is all about. And that's the exciting thing. When I crossed from finance to HR, I realized how under, you know, arguably undermeasured talent really is. And of course, talent is super complex, but you know, the point is we can find metrics that become even more, that are great, but even more powerful when used in combination, you know, like chess moves, you know, moving any one piece is good, but when you move them in combination, you, you know, you're, then you're a master because you're able to execute a strategy. So, you know, moving multiple pieces at a time when HR understands how to do that can have tremendous impact. And that's really been the, to me, the missing piece. So business community just tends to not want to, not hear this very well, they perhaps they can 't compartmentalize it, perhaps they write it off until h r can show money, basically dollar signs that 's the impact that we try to measure. Hey, doing this is going to save you a million dollars, or doing that is going to is going to improve your productivity and therefore your profitability by several million dollars. Oh, you get a whole different level of discussion engagement from management and executives when you can talk that way
0: Yeah, absolutely, and explain uh, this. Uh to our listeners, if you would, uh, HR has uh, often come to the table uh, with executives and to your point, shown historicals, and it's been descriptive statistics at best. Uh, but who is the consumer of insight in a leading practice company? In other words, HR, uh, what I've seen is they're evolving to being a facilitator and bringing these disparate groups, finance, operations, um, sometimes even uh, sales and marketing, together to better understand their talent. So they're Involving people as opposed to coming and trying to impress people. Uh, Do you see a level of governance in your leading practice companies that where there's the community beyond HR that's involved in consuming insight and taking action?
1: Oh, that's a really good question. And you're you're really well positioned to, you know, to comment on on that, what you're what you're seeing happening, Al, uh, with all of the work that you're doing around many different organizations. From my perspective, um, you know, the uh, typically the linchpin is some sort of an analytics team mm. and and most commonly that's inside H.R., but we 're seeing in some cases it 's not it may be attached to the business um, but or, or, or finance but it's it's partners with HR or it 's in HR and it 's partnering with finance and the business and in fact one of the one of the and this is a, a qualitative metric that we use to evaluate in fact, we actually have it in a, in a survey questionnaire that we utilize for a level of advancement and organization in terms of their analytics and planning journey. Is how much of the work they're doing, the metrics, the reporting, the scorecarding—you know—pick your your kind of means of consuming the information and insight—is going outside of HR and into the business. So uh, what we see is that in many organizations, there's a ton of work done by HR or, or a group that's called analytics, but it's mostly just reporting inside HR, and very little of it is goes up or out. Um, so upward would be the ideal state. It's going all the way to the CEO. It's going all the way to the board. Directors typically that would be a metric or a couple of metrics. If you've, if HR's got metrics that are going up that way, that's that's a nice level of advancement, even if it's not that predictive. Hopefully, it's not just again, hires terms and staff level, because that's certainly not very interesting or predictive and well behind where finance and the rest of the business is. But even better, to your point, if you're partnering with uh, finance for financial impact on or budgeting or strategic planning, or if you're uh, partnering with sales and marketing to help them improve the quality of their hires, the onboarding process, the retention of salespeople. That's that's the kind of stuff that really shows a level of sophistication where you're working closely with the business. And to your point, that can be HR operating as much as a facilitator as a doer. It, you know Really, at the end of the day, this is all about – you know, getting it done and getting the organization to understand that the the root cause of many of the business issues that leaders face are actually talent based.
0: Yeah, yeah, agreed. And yeah, you know, with that in mind, you've innovated uh, around the the human capital financial statements and can you know can you explain what that is to you and i imagine you know, finance and others uh, have a keen appreciation for that uh perspective what's that about
1: well uh Great question, so yes, in in two thousand and ten we we created something called human capital financial statements, so we were really we were hired by a, a sovereign wealth fund who said, "Look, you know we know for our invested companies, we know all about their cash flow, all about their finances, all about their profitability and their revenues and their markets. What we don 't know is are they building talent for a sustainable future?" Are they? Are they? Or, or are they just trying to keep costs low and maximize profits? Not that there's anything wrong with that, but you know, five, 10, 20 years down the road, that could be a problem because if you're if you're hiring all clerks and keeping your processes manual, and others are innovating with advanced technology and automation, that doesn't bode well for you in the future, even if you look great from a profitability standpoint today. So it's was really trying to get to some of the sustainability and are they building talent for a f- for the future or not? Are they investing in talent or are they sort of speak, trying, not to inv- trying to avoid investing in talent. And uh, lo and behold, came out with a set of advanced reports modeled loosely after f- traditional financial statements, cash flow, balance sheet, uh, and income statement, but really stories all about talent. So one of them, the impact statement, actually tells you what is your workforce productivity or your return on workforce, a question every CEO and most CFOs would love to know and arguably don't have good tools for today, the whole revenue and profit for FTE not predictive, not very insightful. It assumes that every person is an equal contributor, which any business leader, and by the way, the way people pay, are paid, uh, clearly shows. Um, and so trying to get to the, you know, a flow statement about talent, how it's flowing through the organization and even an asset statement, what are people really worth? Well, how much value are they adding over and above their cost, which of course they are, uh, otherwise, again, why would they be there? So it's really trying to create a methodology, not just a, a metric. Cause what, what I found is just like in finance, by the way, you, you pick a metric, there's always a way to kind of cheat it or, or, uh, sub optimize it. Yeah. Um. But when you use them in, a, in, a, in an entire statement, kind of like an, an income statement, right? Everyone understands, in fact, the language is in our. In our lexicon. What's the top line? What's the bottom line? Everyone understands that. That usually means revenues and profits. Well, we don't have that kind of methodology, form, and flow for HR. And that's a huge missing piece, uh, which, by the way, I'll, I'll put a plug in. There's actually some initiatives going on in terms of ISO for a human capital reporting initiative and from institutional investors, a US-based group called the Human Capital Management Coalition uh, with about $3 trillion in assets under management that are all, uh, among others, that are are all moving in that direction to try to come up with some sort of reporting that would be included. And to me, the end game of all of this, one, is, is taking HR data, combining it with costs, showing financial impact, and really getting everyone to understand the plus side of the equation but beyond the cost side, cost negative side of the equation around talent and people. And then from there, the future world, I, what I actually think – is at some point in the future, I wish I could say when, is that everyone's going to look back and say, wow, how is it that companies got by without reporting or disclosing about their talent? That's so essential to, you know, evaluating the prospects for, you know, for investment or the future potential for a company. How is it that companies in the dark, back in the dark ages didn't disclose any of that information? Which, by the way, for those who aren't aware, that's today, because companies aren't disclosing much, if anything, about talent in their financial statements.
0: That's uh I, I 100% agree, and I hope we get there sooner rather than later, and I'm sure you do as well. Yeah, That leads to a, a question because there's an underlying assumption there that there's going to be a level of standardization in terms of how metrics are calculated and in turn how they're presented and interpreted. And, yeah, I, I hope we achieve that future state b- before too long. It's also uh, the case where, you know, certain industries uh, are unique. Um, you know, retail is certainly different than energy, which is different than financial services. So what uh, commonalities or differences are you seeing uh, between industries? In other words, the insight that's generated, uh, whether it be descriptive statistics or more predictive, uh, do you believe it's... Really unique uh, industry to industry organization to organization, or do you believe there's a certain standardization that should be looked at and should that standardization be the priority or should it be appreciating the uniqueness of a particular organization? I know that's a lot loaded question, but you know, I'm just you know, curious if uh, you know, what's your experience and perspective on that
1: uh, good question, and it, it really is sort of mixed because it, truly every industry is unique you know they would be the first to tell you that and it's all true every industry is unique you know mining and oil and gas are completely different from you know retail and healthcare. right Uh, they don't share much in terms of similarities um and yet because we've had the opportunity to work across a lot of industries in in a number of different countries uh there's uh, the surprising thing what we've seen that's surprising is that there are more similarities than differences Mm. and so uh you know and um, and i'll make a, a tell a brief story and a couple a couple points about that so i i would suggest and and this fits in with some of that standard setting work that probably 70 to 75 percent of the metrics are going to be relatively standard meaning they're useful for every organization to use and or report and then you're going to have 20 25 percent that are more unique that are more that or that are certainly more impactful and more important for one industry and not so important for another um you know a perfect example would be you know accidents right you know um fatalities on the job well in mining and oil and gas that's huge that's part of compliance reporting you know OSHA health re- reporting um you know in different countries most countries have standards around that uh in the developed world um and yet you know if you go to you know a techni- you know a, a software development company uh you know, accidents, accident rate and uh, deaths on the job from falling is probably not at the top of their list of concerns because it's never going to happen. People might get some paper cuts or carpal tunnel, but they're probably not going to be, you know, breaking, you know, breaking legs or or have have deaths while at work, which in oil and gas and mining is is something that happens. Uh, On the other hand, organizations individually and this this i hear a lot I'd, I'd be curious what you think as well al organizations when we talk to them they inevitably always say we're unique we're unique our structures different our people are different and so uh we we used to buy into that and 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 there, and yes every company is unique truly you know there there's there's something unique about it however when it comes to the talent the talent is actually more standard than anyone would ever like to admit yeah um why? Because say we, when they say, "Oh, our people are different," say, "Really? Are, you know, are you hiring them from an alternate universe? You've got a <laughs> you've got a window into Mars, or are you hiring them from the exact same universities and the exact same marketplace that all your competitors and all the other industries are hiring too? Your accountants and engineers come from the exact same places as competitors and everyone else. So when you say you have the best talent, you're picking the best talent. How on earth are you measuring that? So we really challenge back, and they kind of they kind of have to back up and say, "Oh, yeah, you're right." The uniqueness is your structure, your incentives, your 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 culture, your leadership. The, you know the people themselves are you know because people can cross industries and in many in many jobs are are more standard than they probably realize.
0: And yeah, I, I, I do you know, agree with that, and I also agree that the seventy five percent. You know, standard twenty-five percent unique. I think is a, a healthy uh, perspective. You know, there's certainly going to be exceptions, but you know, that yeah, I certainly um, align with that thinking. It also leads me to the idea that there are certain themes that are a priority to the chros of today and, and business is of today, business leaders of today, uh, namely diversity and uh, retention of key talent and so forth. What issues or challenges do you see uh, most CHROs uh, addressing through uh, people or talent analytics these days?
1: Wow. Okay. So, uh, so you you brought up two. So I'll, I'll talk about those first. But by the way, the one I'm seeing most addressed today is sort of predictions of turnover, which I think is one of the least, uh, it's useful, but it's one of the least powerful analytic tools. Um, I'll come back to that in a moment, but from a, a retention of key talent standpoint, I actually think that's and and even in Deloitte's latest survey, it's been on the, on their top 10 list for a while in terms of what's, what's keeping the CEOs awake at night. It is retention of top talent. Although I do tend to think CEOs, when they say retention of top talent, they're thinking top 100, top 200, maybe top 500 executives, and not so much beyond that. Hopefully they're thinking broader than that. Um, and that's definitely a great use of analytics, and that is, by the way, a good use of you know analytics, you know, risk models around uh, turnover, retention for you know for top talent. That there is some some value and insight to that, uh, particularly for one-time or an occasional perspective. Uh, diversity is an interesting one. Keep that keeps coming up. Keeps get, keeps getting asked about. There's not a lot of data showing that you know the ROI of diversity. I, I believe it's there. I have seen you know the diverse teams in particular. Can Can be more productive and more innovative than a, so to speak, a monochromatic team. Everyone with the same background, same education, same way of thinking. However, what I really think, I would bring that back to analytics. I'd say the fundamental problems around diversity, and you know, and a lot of the issues that you see that get uh, put out there as case studies in um, in the media of you know sort of bad behavior, whether it's you know recent news that's come out. about Uber or others. A lot of the diversity issues, I think, exist because of the lack of transparency and the lack of human capital reporting. I think Hmm. if there were more awareness and more human capital reporting, whether it's public or inside the company or outside or both, if organizations are more aware of what they're hiring and who they're hiring and why they're hiring, they would change their practices. I really do believe, you know, when you turn the lights on, bad behavior is going to stop. It's the lack of transparency. It's the lack of reporting, the lack of awareness for, you know, for, you know, for better term, meaning managers can't can't fix what they don't know about, right? They don't know what they don't know. Uh, in terms of their natural bias, right? You've heard the stories about um, orchestras and how they've started to integrate and bring a lot more women into uh, top-ranked, you know, top ranked world-class orchestras. In the past, they never used to get past the auditions. Once the auditions went to a blind screen, you couldn't see the person who was playing. You could only hear the music. All of a sudden, women started getting in. Yep. If you'd asked everyone who was involved in the selection process, they would assure you there was no bias, and yet the math and the numbers would suggest they were wrong. There was just something they were seeing when the women played that they just somehow didn't like, and maybe it was just because it was different than the way they play. But in the end, when they when they were for, given just the music to decide a truly objective playing field, it balanced out. So I think, in a, in a way, having that more data uh, that forces a more, a more level of objectivity as opposed to, you know, the gut, oh, I just know this person is going to be great. That's why we should hire them. Forget the fact that they're hiring somebody who they think is just like them 20 years ago, uh, is the way to actually improve, you know, diversity and inclusion issues. And make some real progress
0: yeah absolutely, and yeah it 's a great story, and you know not many uh, organizations at least that i 've seen have uh, been innovative enough, created the space to uh, modify a process or even create a new process that would provide a uh, more fair and insightful way of either selecting talent, as in the case of the orchestra, or developing talent uh, once they're in place. So my question to you, uh, do you see uh, new measures and metrics being uh, created that can help deliver more insight or are we still kind of stuck in the historical use of like performance measures um, for example for individual people i mean are you seeing more team associated metrics or any other uh, value added uh, metric that you know you see being used more often now
1: uh, well, that's a, that's a great question. So I, I, I would argue that the, the metrics we need to answer the questions are out there. And, and, you know, what sort of what you call it, maybe, you know, maybe it's something that would help drive better adoption. You know, if it's not called something, you know, dry that no, where no one can see the application if we, if we can come up with a, a better name for it. Right. Who wants to, yeah. who would go to a restaurant and pay, you know, 100 or 200 dollars a plate for cold dead fish when at the same time you could go out and have sushi, which is the same thing.
0: Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah no. it's it's a fair we talk about the beginning of wisdom is calling things by their right names and you know name and changing the language to your point earlier uh, is a valuable step in and of itself so yeah 100% agreed
1: yeah so I, I some of it I think is just you know better PR better awareness better you know better training and that's what I'm hoping a lot of the standards work will lead to mm-hmm. but um, you know some of the some of the foundational you know, issues uh, that we can... Address with existing metrics doesn't mean there aren't some new or interesting or exciting metrics to come up with them. I mean, people are kind of moving beyond engagement. I think that, you know, there's a lot of power in engagement data. I was, by the way, I was late to that party. I was a a detractor of engagement surveys for many years. And once I saw the data and saw the potential and saw the impact, I, I was converted and am now a huge proponent of it. And there's a lot you can do with it. Now people are, you know, moving beyond that, right? Which is uh, you know, text analytics and social media analytics. And so there are ways to, to, uh, continue to advance those. I'm also a huge proponent of indexes for measuring really complex things like quality of hire or actually how well leaders, uh, manage talent, um, I, I'm uh, I'm a little more torn on something like performance rating, what I, I thought you alluded to performance rating. By the way, we strongly recommend use Keeper performance rating system. Uh, just change the way you do it. I actually think that's a failed process because managers do a terrible job of delivering performance reviews, not because performance reviews itself is inherently wrong. Yeah. Because uh, once you take it away, then the question comes up: Okay, now how are we going to decide who gets what bonus? Right. Are, are you know are we going to everyone going to get the same? When we know some people work a lot harder or do a lot more than others, are we is someone going to make an arbitrary just decision, or is is it going to be a group bonus? Right, we're going to ask. Uh, and by the way, you can you can actually survey your way to some of these insights. Uh, If you do it right. But um, I I still think there's value to performance review. The, The trouble is detaching it from comp, detaching, you know, and making it all about career development, growth, and not about, you know, here's what here's a list of everything you did wrong, you know, last year. That's, you know, that's not a very valuable exercise, but here, Hey, let's build a, a growth plan. So perhaps again, like we try, we're talking about with cold fish and sushi, you know, we need to morph it into a new name, right? A career development plan, which provides a little bit of performance, you know, feedback, something like that might be ultimately even more valuable because it's not so much, Hey, you're rated, you know, three out of five stars or anything like that. It's more of how are you tracking on your career development? And do, one, do you actually have a career development plan and how are you tracking on it you know are you doing the things that you need to do is your management stepping up to actually lay out a plan for you and i I think again back to the transparency if management were required to come up with a plan as opposed to a score which can be a little bit of a cop-out maybe the whole that whole process whatever you call it would be more valuable
0: sure yeah i like it so yeah as we start to wrap up here i I have um, a question that you know we're not gonna be able to answer it thoroughly in the balance of the time but i think it's going to be very interesting for our listeners and frankly for me as well uh, you've been at this a long time i've been at this a long time Uh, there's now a lot of innovative uh, work that's being done, innovative tools that are out there. So many are still uh, defining analytics as data aggregation and putting out a dashboard and and hoping it uh, does magic and everyone loves it. Uh, Others are taking a more innovative approach and saying, hey, we're just going to start doing some research and create a great story and create an appetite for this. And we'll build, you know, a capability around, uh, research and still others are saying, Hey, you know, we're in this new age. We've got a lot of tools that will benefit the employees themselves so they can use data to navigate their careers or develop or, you know, any number of things. So there's a value proposition uh, around analytics for employees uh, themselves now. So, You know, that's more like buying a cell phone as opposed to a rotary dial phone, you know, in 2017 here. Uh, What uh, do you see as being an innovative step for CHROs, people, analytics leaders, you know, heads of talent strategy? Uh, You. Would it be uh, get it buttoned up, um, you know, the data quality and present it to your HR community, or would it be something, uh, more innovative around, uh, research? I mean, what do you see being the best next step for most organizations these days?
1: Uh, great question. So, um, and, and, and interesting to hear, hear your perspective from, from my perspective, um, and I wanna correct a, a couple of things uh about HR. And I you know, absolutely agree, there's a lot of tools out there. And by the way, I don't I don't think that matters um, the tool, it matters more, you know, what you measure and what you do with it. Second, um I hear and and I'm sure you you hear all the time uh organizations, HR in particular, uh talking about how bad their data is. Well, guess what? It's never going to fix itself. Mm. Um, you know, your your closet is is dirty. Everything's disorganized. It's you've got to fix it. Yeah. Um, and by the way, nobody's data is perfect. So I, I often hear HR kind of, you know. Articulating a need for a level of data that everyone else would only aspire to as well. By the way, the business doesn't have perfect data. When I was in manufacturing, they know to four decimal places how many you know how many minutes and seconds it takes to make every product. But guess what? Sure enough, some of their products had bad standards, so their their data was wrong. So uh, in finance, they they only like you to believe that the data is perfect. It never is. Any of their forecasts almost on a given, are going to be wrong. They just don't like to admit it. And they include all those numbers and decimal places, hoping you're intimidated and won't ask about what's behind it because there's not much behind it. <laughs> so HR should honestly just get over the whole, oh, GR is bad. That is not... Th- I've actually heard that more as an excuse not to do it than yeah. an a call to action to do it. And I think that's – that's arguably, it's a cop-out. They need to get over it. Just start – and by the way, you don't have to clean all your data for all years. Just start some of it. And uh, the way to get the value back to kind of the, the real gist of your question, Al, is I think they should go out, survey the business, and, and come up with a list of questions, uh, either as prompters or – if they want to just have a little more open, you know, open-ended discussion, go out with uh, you know, HR business partners or uh with uh or have a town hall session with some of the uh management from the business and actually ask what talent-related issues management or the business is facing and figure and you know and pick one or two of those to answer. Go clean the data, go come up with some metrics, go come up with, you know, however you want to you want to measure a dashboard or some metrics or a trend or a prediction chart all all of that is valuable you know you know obviously the more predictive you get i think the more powerful it gets yep but you know, answer a business a, a business question and show how it links back to talent and you build uh, you know a potential champion forever in that line of business. And everyone else lined up outside your office the next week asking for help for their issues because now they see the connection too. In fact, that was my case. No one thought what we were doing when I was inside HR as a practitioner added that much value. and But then when the CEO or the COO or someone else looked at it and said, wow, okay, we're going to make these decisions based on this data... Uh, or it had some sort of ROI or cost savings associated with it. All of a sudden, everyone had a line for you know, wanting help with a, with a business issue. So it's, it's a nice you – know, it's, it's a o- bit of overwork because you don't necessarily get the equivalent level of resources. But it's also a great, a great way to acknowledge the fact that you are adding value. You are a strategic player and proving it.
0: Yeah, absolutely love it so we're got to wrap up now how can uh, people learn more about hcmi and what you're doing well
1: uh best way is on our our website at www.hcminst uh, or com. Mm-hmm. so uh, hcmi was taken uh so we went to hcminst um <laughs> Uh, we have a monthly webinar. We have uh, a lot of white papers and about a dozen case studies out on, on our on our web page. So there's actually and a lot of other articles uh, as well. So there's a lot of information available there if people would like to uh, get more.
0: All right, Jeff. Thank, again, thanks for joining and sharing and uh, look forward to seeing you um, in the near future and keep up the great work. Thanks again.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for the opportunity, Al. And take care. It's great to work with you. Likewise.
0: Thanks for joining the People Analytics and Future of Work podcast with Al Adamson. To find other podcasts, videos, upcoming events, and to join the Global People Analytics Network, please visit us at
1: globalpeopleanalytics.net.